Okay, so let's open our Bibles together to the book of James. As Jonathan mentioned, this is an incredible book in the Bible. And I think that we are going to um, just learn and be challenged and be encouraged so much over the next few weeks as we look at it. So let's read chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So, the book of James... The book of James is all about relationships, um, relationships between believers and the poor, relationships within the church, all of those, except for this first section, which is about individuals. It's about ourselves. The duty of self-care is a priority, James says. That's why he starts with it. So before we care for others, we must look after ourselves. 
This is also seen in Acts 20, verse 28, which says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Basically, what we need to understand is before we start leading anyone else down this path, along this journey, we must first ensure that we are on the journey ourselves, we are enduring tests and temptations, we are growing to maturity and walking the road of obedience. There are and will always be needs. And I know that there are so many people in this church, myself included, who so often we place the needs of others way before the needs of ourselves. But if we get the balance wrong and spend all our time and effort and resources on others without ever checking in on ourselves, then all the needs remain, but we have dropped out of the race. So that's what we're doing for this first section of the sermon this morning. We are looking at ourselves, just inward looking. You're not thinking about anyone else in the room, just yourself. The spotlight is on you. Now I'm wondering... Has anyone ever watched this program, Race Across the World? Is there anyone in here? (gasps) Yes. So Sam and I are big fans. First series, not so much. Second series is the best in our opinion. For those who haven't watched it, let me explain a little bit about it. Basically, you have a number of couples, five, five couples, is that right? Yeah, five couples are chosen. They're all related to each other in different ways. So you have like a husband and a wife, brother and sister, um, uncle and nephew, um, best friends, mother and son. And they have to go on a race across the world. It's in the name. So the first series, they have to get from London to Singapore. That is 6,736 miles. However, they are not allowed to travel by air. They have to do the entire thing over land or sea. And all they are given is a map of the world... And the price of an airfare to where they're going. That's all they have. And then they can take, obviously, a rucksack with clothes and stuff. But they have to hand in any of their own money, their wallet, their cards, their mobile phone. Second series, similar again. They have to travel from Mexico City to Ushuaia, which is the very southernmost city in the world. It's right at the very tip of Argentina. That's 5,438 miles. And again... Everything else is taken off them, and they are just given the airfare. It is a brilliant program. I really recommend that you watch it, not just because it is an adventure, and you can see these incredible countries, see the journey that they go on, but in this race, you can see the consistent contestants literally develop in maturity, confidence, and expertise right before your eyes as the series goes on. People that you would never in a million years choose to travel with when you first start watching it because of their inability to handle a budget or catch a bus or speak to a stranger or just general ineptitude progress into people that you would gladly trust to travel along a similar journey with. The contestants develop this through the things that they go through, but mostly through their failures and through the trials that they come into contact with. The ones, the contestants you really start to like and respect are the ones who go through the greatest trials and yet they pick themselves back up, carry on and learn lessons from what they go through. 
And as we read this first part of the book of James, we see that he lays out the same pattern for those of us who have chosen to set out on a journey of faith through life. As we travel through life, as we all know, we hit trials and testings. It says that in verses 2 and 3. And these things hurt us. They wound us. They cause us to stop in our tracks, fling us to the ground. They cause us to doubt, to cry, to scream, to shout, sometimes to feel numb, to feel angry, ashamed, and vulnerable. And yet I'm sure we would agree that these are hugely defining moments in our lives. And we have the opportunity to use them to better ourselves and to develop that maturity and perseverance in our faith. And that word, perseverance, if we look at it now, it says, doesn't it, talks about perseverance in verse 3. But you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance, stickability, staying power steadfastness or as lots of translators would prefer to call it they would prefer to say patient endurance patient endurance now let me tell you a story of someone who showed great patient endurance this is Douglas Mawson he was a contemporary and a colleague of Ernest Ernest Shackleton and Captain Scott However, Mawson was even tougher. During a scientific expedition in the Antarctic, he lost his colleagues 300 miles from safety. Frostbite and starvation meant his hair, nails, skin, and the entire soles of his feet fell off during a grueling two-month trek back to camp. At one point, he fell down a crevasse. He was left dangling in the abyss from a rope, And he described the way he got out as dragging his disintegrating body back out. Mawson arrived back at base only hours after the ship, which could have taken him back to civilization, had set sail. Killer timing. He was, however, able to send a message back to his fiancée in Australia. A short message, but one so understated it could only have been written by one of these epic heroes of the age of Antarctic exploration. There was no complaint or self-pity, no mention of those horrors he'd just been through. It simply said this, deeply regret delay, only just managed to reach hut. Now that is a quiet, humble, grit-filled hero. That shows someone with perseverance, stickability, staying power, steadfastness, patient endurance. He kept on going. That word we're looking at here is more than just patience. Patience is wonderful and to be admired, but patience can be passive. Patience can be part of your character and personality. Perhaps you are someone who feels that you were born with inborn patience. I, unfortunately, was not born with such a characteristic. I am quite the opposite. Um, Sam would also be. Sorry, Sam. And each one of our children has also got their impatience from us as well. But what we're looking at here, this is endurance. This is a part of a person's character that simply cannot exist without the testing or the trial that they have been through. It has formed because of those things, not in spite of them. In this program, we've seen this again and again. A development of a certain person after they've overcome a great challenge that was in their way. In the same way, 
us as believers face this same opportunity. As painful, unfair, or devastating as the trial or temptation you have, you have seemed at the time, if you overcome it, you develop endurance. And I want you to imagine a great big rucksack. Each one of these contestants here has a big rucksack on their back. Perhaps you also have had the opportunity to travel and maybe backpacking and you've had one of those rucksacks. And the word endurance is actually uh, almost like a doing word. It, It reflects someone who is picking up that heavy load and they are choosing to carry it. They are choosing to carry on through life with that. Patient endurance can be developed almost immediately when faced with with an on-the-spot temptation, for instance. But often, it is a slow burner. And patient endurance must have its full effect. If we look at verse 4, verse 3 has said, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. But James does not stop there. He says more. He says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In the second series of Race Across the World, there is a couple here, so there and there. This is a mum called Jo, and this is her son. And they are travelling together. I think Jo is in her 40s, I think, 50s, and her son is 19. You um, hear later on in the program um, that her son has actually been, he was adopted at six months, and he has ADHD and many other challenges. And they are doing this race together, not only to build greater relationship, but also because the mum wants to be able to give her son opportunities to develop resilience and to be able to complete the race. However, They give too much out. They don't necessarily keep good track of their resources. And what happens is they end up dropping out of the race because they're not able to continue. And when you read verses 3 and 4, we can see that there is a similar challenge for us as well. This couple endured for so long. However, they did not see their race to completion. They did not let perseverance finish its work. They didn't get to the end. They dropped out. I have known quite a few people in my Christian walk, people who I have seen as real heroes of faith, contemporaries who have inspired me in their relationship with Jesus, who have at some point dropped out of the race. Perhaps you know them too. And when I speak about these people, I feel really sad. I have a really heavy heart. They endured for so long, but at some point, their endurance got too much for them, and they dropped out of the race. James here is giving us an order. He is giving us a challenge. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. C.S. Lewis in his children, children's books about Narnia, there's a particular phrase that he uses in the book, The Horse and His Boy, where he talks about, um, we will only talk about your story. That is someone else's story. And I want right now to just talk a little bit about my wonderful husband, Sam, but I have got his full permission. It's not my story. It is his, his story. When Sam was growing up, he developed a very strong relationship with Jesus. He went to a high Anglican church, 
St. Mary's over in Murfield, um, he was a choir boy. In fact, at one point, he was head choir boy. Can you believe it? As he got older, he continued to attend <laughs> continued to attend Port St. Mary Beach Mission over on the Isle of Man. And it was there that he gave his, himself to Jesus, gave that commitment to following Jesus for the rest of his life. However, when Sam was 16, there was an unexpected death in the family, a death of a child. The death of that child completely rocked the whole family, as you would understand. And Sam, in that moment, decided to throw his faith again. He actively chose to walk away from God. And I remember being with Sam one evening. It was a couple of days after this death. And for as long as I'd known Sam, he had always worn a cross on a chain around his neck, tucked under his clothes. But that evening, he ripped it off and he gave it to me. And he said, I don't want this anymore. You can take it. I'm having nothing to do with this. For the next few years, Sam went off on his own path. And just like these people here, at one point, Sam decided to travel the world as well. And we quite often laugh because, as many of you know, I did a gap year after school too. And I went to Uganda with BMS, BMS World Mission. And we quite often laugh that I did the holy gap year and Sam did the complete opposite. He went around the world doing things that would not be on a Christian gap year. He was running away from God. However, if you speak to Sam, he said he felt like God was chasing him around the world. Everywhere he went, he had encounter after encounter. And that burden he had dropped down, that burden that he had refused to endure, kept following him. And eventually, Sam gave in. And he turned around and he chose to pick up that burden again. And he chose to continue with that journey of endurance. He let perseverance finish its work. And a few years later, after that evening, when Sam had ripped off his cross and given it to me, um, we were again on the Isle of Man, but we were now both working for Script Union Ministries Trust. Sam had come round full circle. And I got to go into my bedroom, into uh, my jewellery drawer, and I got to get out a little box and return to Sam the cross that I had kept all those years praying for him, knowing I knew that God would chase him and that he would choose to pick up that burden once again and complete his journey of perseverance. Perhaps you guys have similar stories as well. Perhaps you can remember trials or temptations that you have gone through, that you have chosen to continue enduring, and you have come out the other side knowing that something has changed inside of you. You have grown in your spiritual maturity. You have completed that little bit of the race, and well done you. As we read this first part of James, we can see he lays out this pattern for those of us who have chosen to set out on this journey of faith in Christ. It is amazing, and I feel privileged that we have been asked to be part of that. And if we look at verse 12, let's be encouraged by this. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to all those who love him. Let me read that again. Perhaps you really need to hear that this morning. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. 
Now, I'm splitting this talk in two, and if I can just invite Mike up for a couple of moments, you have a little bit of homework to do right now. I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes with your piece of paper and your pen. I want you to look at that map that is drawn in front of you. And whilst Mike plays, I would like you to write on the start line. It may be a specific date. It may just be a general time in your life. A time when you knew you started on that journey with Jesus Christ. That race through your life with God. And then as you look down that journey, there are three boxes. And I would like you to think about three trials or temptations that you can look back and you know that you endured those things with Jesus. It doesn't have to be an enormous thing, but it can be something that you know was a big thing for you in that moment. A temptation that you have endured or are still enduring or a trial that you have endured. I just want you to spend two or three moments with God and write those down. Because I believe that it's really, really important for us to not only be encouraged by other people's testimonies, but also our own. And we will all face more trials, maybe in the next week or month or year, or maybe we are facing something right now, and we need to be reminded that we have overcome things before, we have endured things before, and we have seen ourselves grow in spiritual maturity. So let's just take two or three moments on our own to fill in those little bits on our sheet while Mike plays. brilliant and please do keep these sheets I know for some of you it may seem a little childish but it's a good thing for you to be doing this week to just think over those things and so just a couple of things to end on I just want to touch on the wisdom bit when I'm struggling with things in my life I have a few places I turn to straight away Sam 
my mum and dad, God and Google. I don't know if you're the same. Google can give me great knowledge. It cannot, however, give me wisdom. And there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. This is a tomato. Is a tomato a vegetable or a fruit? A fruit. However, so we have the knowledge that a tomato is a fruit. However, wisdom is not putting that in a fruit salad. That is the difference. Knowledge is important and will help us in life. But knowledge alone does not have the power to save us or to help us patiently endure trials and temptations. We need wisdom as well. The guidance and insight that comes from the one who sees the bigger picture. God promises always to provide wisdom whenever we search for it. He reveals it to us through the Bible, through experience, through his spirit and through each other. We find wisdom through observing and listening. We are given two ears, two eyes and one mouth for a reason. Sometimes we need to shut this and use these. We can also find this wisdom in our hearts, that God-given instinct that helps us know what is good and right and true. And I love this version of James 1 verse 5. It is the message version. It says, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, and without a second thought. And we have our advantage. We have the ultimate guidebook. As I mentioned at the start, in Race Across the World, all contestants are required to hand over their phones, hand over their wallets, and anything else that may help them navigate their journey, and are only given in return a world map. In our race, as believers in Christ, through our life, we are given one outstanding and privileged advantage, the word. Both that which is within us, God himself is the word, the word is God, and through his Holy Spirit, the word dwells in us, but also scripture, this word here, our Bibles. And James ends this first chapter with an urgent call for us to receive the word, to use our two ears and be slow with our one mouth and embed this truth in our hearts. And this is the greatest advantage we have in successfully winning our race. So now, at the end of this chapter, having spent all of this time doing necessary navel-gazing, focusing on ourselves, James leaves us with a challenge. We have been given our advice and our requirements for running our race, for journeying effectively in faith, for understanding how to patiently endure that which is thrown at us, to grow in maturity, and to seek wisdom from Christ. But now, James moves on to the next section. He says we need to look outwards, to be doers of the word. It is a waste to just read God's word and to not act upon it, to not be obedient. We would be utterly foolish to read a car manual and ignore the instructions it gives us, to put petrol in, not diesel, to not check our tire pressure. We'd be endangering lives, not only ourselves, but those around us. And the same is with God's word. If we merely read this and we do not obey it, we are endangering lives. Not only are we being disobedient and not giving the opportunity for for others to come and join us on the journey of faith, but we're being disobedient to our own race too. Jesus gave us commands to love the last, the least, and the lost, to alleviate suffering, to feed the hungry, house the homeless, and clothe the naked. And I am so sure that others are going to cover much of this over the next few weeks as we go through the book of James. And he does not mince his words But perhaps right now you already know that there are some aspects of the word, God's scriptures, 
and the word within you, his Holy Spirit, that you feel prompted at the minute to acknowledge your lack of obedience to, things you know you should be doing that you're not, or maybe things you are doing that you shouldn't be. And I've left on your piece of paper, there is a little box as well that says obedience list. And what I really challenge you to do today, at some point, before the things that God is saying to us, leave your mind. I would love it if you would spend some time with God today and write down those things that you know you're being challenged on right now to be obedient to in God's word. So I'm just going to finish now by praying for us. And I'd just like to extend the opportunity to anyone who is here this morning who does feel that they are going through trials and temptations and you are feeling that that burden of endurance is too much for you at the minute. Perhaps you are in danger of dropping it and not seeing through that journey of perseverance and endurance. Please come and find one of us this morning and we will pray with you. We will help you to continue on with patient endurance. So let's pray together. Father God, we pray for your your help this morning for us to patiently endure those things that are thrown at us through life. We pray that we would embrace those things with full joy, knowing that it is through trials and temptations that you develop patient endurance in us, that you help us to grow in spiritual maturity. Pray, Lord Jesus, that we would seek your wisdom. We would seek your wisdom through prayer, through speaking with other believers, through your word. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to be obedient. God, we pray as we go through the book of James that we would not be thinking of how this affects other people, but we would be ready to embrace your challenge for ourselves, to develop ourselves as believers. We just think this morning, Lord Jesus, just of those final words of challenge in in chapter 1 of James where you ask us to make sure that we are doing the right thing towards widows and orphans and those in distress. Lord Jesus, would you help us to prepare ourselves adequately so that we are ready to help the most hurting and broken in our society. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.